Hello and welcome to the Cupid Guy podcast, brought to you by Classic, the quantum algorithm design company. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Julian van Velzen, lead quantum technologist at Capgemini. Julian and I spoke about which technologies are overhyped and underhyped, about customers that were helped by Capgemini, his predictions for 2022, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io. That's hello at classic.io. Hello, Julian, and thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Uh, great to be here. So who are you and what do you do? Right. So my name is uh, Julian van Velsen. Uh, I work for, uh, for Capgemini. Um, so what do I do? So most of all, I'm just a, a quantum nerd, right? I'm just a, a very intrigued with this amazing technology. Uh, but within my uh, role, uh, I am the CTIO for quantum technologies, and I lead the, the quantum division with for the Capgemini group. And this is a, you've got a new group now, right? Uh, quite a few consultants, I believe. Right. Um, so we just have a, a new initiative uh, uh, to make sure that we will be on time and to help our clients uh, to become uh, more quantum ready. Um, we had a bunch of activities already throughout the group. So we do uh, various things on, on uh, all three levels. So both on communications and networking, um, quantum sensors and computing. Uh, but now I have the pleasure to, uh, to lead another group uh, that, uh, uh, that will make sure that, um, yeah, that we'll, we'll prepare ourselves and our clients uh, for this, for this uh, trailing quantum futures. Uh, congratulations. So uh, where do you think clients are with regards to quantum? Do you feel that most of the time you have to educate them on what's going on and what the risks and opportunities are? Do you think that clients are ready to experiment? Do you think they're moving into production? I mean, where do clients stand in your experience on that spectrum? So it's it's absolutely early, right? So, um, you know, for, for most of the clients, it will be five to 10 years or even more, you know, uh, out there before there's uh, any scaling or, or um, productionalizing of, of any of any solutions. Um, I think there's there's a, a big variation of where clients are. So some of them, you know, they have a specialized team, quantum physicists. They have some publications. They build new algorithms, do very low level um, algorithmic design. Uh, but I think the majority of them is still trying to figure out, you know, how do well do we do we kickstart our quantum journey? Um, and that involves a whole bunch of things. It's not just uh, developing new algorithms. It's just as much uh, figuring out, you know, who are your quantum champions who uh, within my company is, is working on this, uh, what could be possible use cases, uh, how do I go from, you know, some some use case that you can find online to something more tangible where you actually, you know, start, start building something. Uh, and the majority of them um, are starting to, to look into this. Uh, whereas, um, you know, only a few years ago, the majority of them had never heard of it. They had no team, uh, no commitments whatsoever. Uh, so I think it, I think a lot of them are, are moving forward and are taking the first steps now. When a client wants to take the first steps, do you feel that they want to build internal expertise and keep the knowledge in-house or do they just want to completely outsource it and do a proof of concept that a company like Capgemini does? Uh, where does it stand on, on that spectrum? So I think I think the the number one and two and three priorities maybe is to build competencies and to build knowledge, right? Uh, so yeah, I don't think it makes too much sense to outsource everything. Um, 
what it does make sense to outsource is to get some help because it's not easy to get to get started in this in this area right it's it's really uh you know you can really kickstart your journey if you have someone that knows uh you know how to map an algorithm to a quantum or how to map a problem to a quantum algorithm uh, or that has already some access to to a network and to some hardware vendors uh, because you have to start up this alone you know it may take years before you have an idea about um, you know how, how this how this technology is developing and if it's, if it's so quickly developing you always you know you always run behind so they go to Capgemini to help with your prior experience in working with customers to identify use cases and, and your experience to say, oh, you should try this environment or this vendor uh, and so on. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Right. So, um, you know, in some cases, it's more about uh, figuring out, uh, you know, what use cases are and, and, and how to prepare for them. In some cases, you can already start uh, start working on them, right? So you can already try out some algorithms, see how they work, and in some cases, uh, improve the algorithms. Um, in some cases, of course, uh, um, you know, it's, you, you can get some insights and uh, improve your classical solutions, so all kinds of quantum-inspired solutions, um, and there may already be a small benefit as well. To what extent are customers focused on the hardware vendors, uh, on the arms race, oh, I've got 30 qubits, I've got 50 qubits, I've got 70 qubits, but next year I'll have 107 qubits. How, how much are customers focused on that? Right, so it's, it's easy to, uh, you know, to, to, to go with the hype and you know, follow the new latest trends, you know, uh, more qubit to the mix, it's, it's always, it always sounds good. Um, it's good, of course, to realize that, uh, that there are so many more metrics that are important to, uh, to, to follow. Um, so I think, I think one, so I think, uh, uh, many, many of our clients are watching this space and are, uh, exploring, you know, who to partner with and what kind of, uh, what kind of hardware, uh, strategic partnerships should be, should be made. Um, I think the purpose of this is to, to build relations and to, to learn and to experiment and to have access to a network. I think if you, if you are really advanced and you already are, you know, developing algorithms, uh, at that point, it becomes really important to have some actual hardware uh, because you can you can uh, increase the quality of your algorithm in such a way that it maps specifically to a hardware to certain hardware, right? So, I, I think the first value is just to get access to a network and get build strategic partnerships, and the second more technical benefit is to to build hardware specific algorithms. And allow me just to explore this point on the strategic relationships. Is it more important for a company to secure a relationship with a hardware vendor, say Honeywell, or with a cloud vendor like Microsoft or, or Amazon that may have multiple quantum computers on their cloud? Which one would are you recommending to your customers that they pursue? So I think it's it's a little bit of a different purpose, right? So it's it's easy to have to experiment with uh, with AWS brackets or Microsoft Quantum. With various types of, uh, of hardware uh, and software, right? So I think uh, uh, quantum-inspired or, or simulated annealing kind of, of algorithms are quite big, uh, are quite uh, prominent on, on these platforms. I think if you want to experiment um, on a deeper level and you know really build hardware-specific algorithms, um, it, it makes more maybe more sense to to partner with uh, either IBM or Ricketti or, or uh, Honeywell or, or any other. Um, uh, because of course they have they have this this hardware uh, available. 
And I, I didn't mention IBM, uh, just not to confuse the question, because IBM obviously makes both hardware as well as allow cloud services. So um, I was uh, purposely choosing hardware vendors only and, and cloud vendors only. Is there a particular customer story that you're able to share, perhaps on the quantum computing side, someone that you work with and what were you able to, to do together? Right, so um, uh, let me not name, but uh, so we work with uh, many clients in, in financial services. Um, uh, one of those clients, you know, one of the typical use cases is portfolio optimization, right? I think that's that's where uh, many clients are working on. Um, the the um, uh, you know they they came with the idea that that for them it was also really to build momentum within their own team. They just wanted to have like a lighthouse project that would help them. Uh, paved the way to see, you know, what kind of talent they would need, what uh, they would need to uh, uh, to start doing to get more quantum ready, who, what business units to connect to. Um, so this was a project I was personally involved in uh, in the past uh, few years. Um, oh well, in a, a year ago for for uh, it was like a half year project, um, and it was really really awesome to see that you know if you just start doing something, if you just pick uh, some quantum champions in, in, your, uh, in your group um, and find some eager people to, to work on this, um, have a clear vision of what you want to develop um, and get your hands dirty with, with uh, well, either Qiskit or whatever, um, you, know, you, you can get so much more insight on what this technology would mean. Um, and it, it, it helps you to create, to get this new way of thinking of uh, how quantum technologies may disrupt uh, many, many, a big part of the system, even though, you know, the, the problems that you're working on are still very small toy problem kind of situations. So these problems are small, but the algorithms are roughly the same. And I guess customers are expecting that with better hardware, newer hardware, they will be able to run larger and larger problems until the problems become truly useful. When do you think that will happen? When? Would a financial services customer doing portfolio optimization be able to run a meaningful portfolio beyond what they do on classical computing side? So this is always a very tricky question uh, to answer, of course, right? Um, and I, I, I think it's important to to be to be very realistic about uh, that that the real value of quantum computing is still far out there, right? And it's uh, a large scale broad quantum advantage, something where a quantum computer would actually do something useful, you know, probably is five to 10 years away or even even further, or it may even never happen. Um, that being said, I think it's it's not a all or nothing uh, a moment, right? So there will be small, very specific uh, uh, advantages of quantum algorithms. Um, it will be quite likely that this will maybe first in, in chemistry or um a kind of situations uh, and then maybe finance will be amongst the first as well uh, and then it will be something very specific uh, and then every year i think we will see a bigger uh, and broader advantage of these uh, of these computers um, and that being said i think so of course now so far we really talked about quantum computing um, uh, there's of course many opportunities as well in quantum sensors and quantum networks uh, which may actually be uh, more mature than quantum computers are at this point. So when you look at your team, I think you mentioned maybe 20, 30 people. Uh, yeah. How are they roughly divided between computing, communications, and, and sensors or, so, or security? Yeah. 
so um, uh, so we have a big security uh, um, branch as well. It's not really in my team though, so that's it's a different group of people. Um, I think sensing is a little bit more of a niche subject, right? I think it has a huge potential for uh, specific uh, clients, in particularly in all kinds of intelligent industry uh, applications. Uh, but it's it's considered for the right reasons uh, a little bit more as a niche. Um, I think uh, so. I think that's that's a bit less. I think quantum networks is definitely very interesting. So as Capgemini, we have a quite a strong brand. as Capgemini Engineering, uh, roughly fifty thousand people working on. Uh, you know, telco-related uh, uh, use cases and, and all kinds of things that are, you know, very low to, very close to hardware interfacing. Um, and particularly there, we do a lot of things with quantum networks as well. And I think this is this is something that is um, a little bit overlooked with larger companies at this point. Quantum computing is, is very, uh, 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 yeah, everyone talks about quantum computing and it's maybe even a little bit overhyped. Uh, but the other two areas are, um, uh, equally interesting, I, guess, I would say. And, and then, of course, for security, uh, this is this is. Uh, so you, we, before you ask, you know, when when we will see a uh, uh, added value or a um, advantage for for quantum computers, uh, security, which of course is completely classical, right? So migrating to to safer uh, cryptos and safer mathematics uh, that these cryptos use. Um, uh, that is definitely something which I would recommend all of our clients and all companies to start working on today. Um, and uh, so we already have a bigger team there as well. You are in a really excellent position in, in the industry. I mean, you work with a lot of clients, you work with a lot of vendors, you're part of a fantastic organization. So I think you're super qualified to answer my prediction question. What do you expect to happen in 2022? I mean, if you don't know it, then no one yeah. does. <laughs> well, and I certainly don't know it. Uh, well, I mean, um, there are many roadmaps out there, of course, right? There's um, uh, IBM and Google stated they have a million qubit machines in, in 2030. Uh, some of the smaller players stated they will have, uh, you know, even fault-tolerant larger systems in 2025. Uh, probably pretty optimistic, but uh, we'll see. Um, I do think that we'll, we'll we'll get a quantum advantage pretty soon, like maybe uh, you know two years or so. But it will be very specific, very small. So I think this will be the, the big next, uh, well, one of the big next uh, events to watch. Another milestone to watch is some true uh, error corrected systems, even if it's just for a couple of qubits. Um, I think another trend what we will see is that you know it's really technology focused still, right? I mean. Uh, um, it, We'll talk about you know qubit systems and then error correction and then uh, you know how how it's kind of like we have a hammer we're looking for a needle uh, still. Uh, I think this is this is will also uh, turn around. So it will be much more about you know what what will be the business impact of of these systems. You know what what if you're a uh, airplane manufacturer and you and you can uh, simulate a large part of your uh, of your systems in the quantum computer and reducing your your time in a wind tunnel by by twenty percent. What if you can improve the, the success rate of, of uh, uh, phase three trials uh, by 20%. You know, what, what would that change? Would that change, uh, you know, just your algorithmic landscape and your compute landscape, or, but, you know, probably also your, all your business model, your support IT and, uh, uh, and everything around it. Uh, so I think that the sooner we'll come to, uh, to, to quantum technology maturing, the more relevant this will be. 
Um, so if this is already in 2022, well, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I think uh, uh, the, the pace is really picking up. Uh, it's remarkable what we have seen you know, in, the, in the past couple of years, um, uh, what has been developed, um, the increased uh, awareness uh, and the, the possible applications. Uh, the hardware is developing uh, rapidly. Um, the software is getting better, right? So it's, it's uh, um, for certain algorithms, you know, you need a fraction of the amount of qubits that we, that you, that we thought you would need uh, a few years ago. Um, yeah, so let's see. Uh, I'm very eager to learn what we will get in 2022. So if I gave you a magic wand and you could control the quantum industry for, say, the next year, what would you have us work on? You know, we are awaiting your... <laughs> Your commands, Julian. What do you want us to work on for the next 12 months? Right. So I think that quantum computing is very promising, but maybe a little bit overhyped. Uh, I think the, the um, uh, I think sensing and uh, post-quantum crypto is underhyped. So I think that you know, it's not just the industry where we should work on, but you know, all companies should, should get more awareness for these uh, technologies. Um, what I'm personally very, uh, and as Gemini as well, are very interested in are the possibilities for quantum technologies for uh, for sustainable uh, developments and, and building new kinds of technology breakthroughs that will help in uh, reducing our carbon footprint. Uh, I think there is there are some amazing opportunities, right, from industrial catalysts to uh, computational fluid dynamics related things or other type of product design and, and other types of, of, of energy production. Um, that uh, could be uh, uh, could leverage the, the amazing power of quantum computing. Um, uh, so I really think that this could be uh, you know, one of the, the most important areas uh, where we could work on and where we could leverage quantum computers for. And even when you think about problems like traveling salesperson, you know, route optimization, that doesn't impact the generation of energy, but it could potentially reduce the usage of energy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and and and, and uh, uh, these latest um, uh, NLP models, right? So, for example, GPT three, uh, I think that uses the same energy as like a small city does, right? So, um, also, uh, so one thing is, I guess, is to have quantum computers help in uh, you know getting the technologies that we would need to get to be more sustainable. But in some way, quantum technologies can also uh, improve operations like traveling salesmen or even reduce the energy uh, dependency uh, for large models and large machine learning. Excellent. So as we get close to the end of our conversation, you know, what do you think is holding back uh, the quantum revolution? What, what are the key concerns that you're hearing from your customers? So it's, I think one of the key areas is that it's a, it's a new way of thinking, right? It's, you know, just when we moved from um, uh, from, from uh, single computing to parallel computing, we, we had to think about you know new ways to to parallelize our workloads and, and all kinds of big data tools uh, uh, came from it. Um, and we have have to adapt to this to this new way of exponential thinking, right? Like, what are really the problems that could, that uh, you know if, if I have a bunch more like a, a much more compute power, what what would I do with it? Um, so I think a big part of it that is is our imagination. Um, of course, uh, that that translates into a whole number of very tangible things, right? Uh, talent definitely is a is a limiting factor. Uh, you know, we, we need people at the interface of, of physics and mathematics and AI 
Uh, we need people that have not just this knowledge, but very clear domain knowledge as well. You know, if we, if we talk about uh, finance or things like portfolio optimization, we have to figure out people that know exactly how these problems are working. What are the constraints? What are the optimization functions? What is the non-linearities? What is, you know, how, how do you, these the problems look and feel? Um, and having all these different skills and, and knowledges in, in one person, of course, is, is very uh, hard to find. Uh, so skills definitely is, in, uh, is another thing. How can people get in touch with you to learn more about the work that you're doing and that uh, Capgemini is doing? So uh, everyone can, uh, can always send me, in, uh, send me an email. Uh, so my, uh, maybe just say it here, my email is julian.van.velsen.capgemini.com uh, or just uh, add me at uh, LinkedIn. Um, and I'll be very happy to, uh, to have further discussions uh, on this topic. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.